Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. This conversation with Karen Stevenson is a conversation with a true gardener. I didn't say professional gardener, hobby gardener. Karen is a gardener who does other things and does them well, I'm sure. But when you hear this conversation and hear her thoughts on how this little garden that she's built around her small house here in Southeastern Connecticut, you know what I mean. You'll know what I mean. She thinks about what's growing out there and she predicts how things could come out. In a sense, she says her whole garden is an experiment. So. I think it's delightful to know how a person can find something like gardening that helps them cope with and even grow in other areas of their life. Maybe there's a gardener in all of us. Just some of us actually put it to work. <laughs> but I think all of us have some delight in seeing something grow from a seed uh, to fruition uh, there's something very basic about that feeling of seeing a seedling come out of the ground and suddenly start to become a plant. And then eventually what you'll hear Karen say is uh, perhaps a sunflower and food for the birds and food for the eye. So let me stop giving you what Karen said and let you listen to her say it herself. This is Karen Stevenson. This uh, th this conversation happening on a Saturday afternoon, just a few minutes before the happy hour that Karen Stevenson and I have really, I think, probably attended about as well as anyone, maybe better. Uh, and it started, uh, it's part of the purpose practice idea that gen was generated early in the pandemic. And uh, so one way to get those of us who are interested and involved in practicing our purposes uh, would come to these Saturday sessions. Now, during the pandemic, we weren't out playing like we could be today, Karen, <laughs> or in your case, finishing off your garden, which we're going to talk about. Uh, but uh, what did those uh, happy hours mean to you? Oh. What a great, what a great question. And um, what a tough one to answer. Um, in the sense that uh, I feel like it's hard to summarize how just how important they've been to me. It's a weekly reset. It's a weekly meeting of minds of people dedicated to practicing their purpose. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes to stay the stay the course as it were without support it's probably almost virtually imp impossible and so this is a lifeline um for that particular endeavor so these calls are our calls are super important to me yeah and and i'll second that motion um each of us particularly during those months when we couldn't be anywhere in person had a friend deficit i don't mean a deficit of friends but acting in a friendly way with mm -hmm. others 
And so those those hours that we would spend each Saturday from four to five uh, gave us, well, we met people that I never would have met in the world. Yeah, uh, Delaware and elsewhere, Pennsylvania, uh, all I think we can credit to Brent Robinson and uh, and and Jess Mann, who kind of made sure that this all this work technically and elsewise. Mm-hmm. But here's why I'm bringing up the happy hour, folks. <laughs> it's not about the happy hour per se. It's about what Karen would be doing, and I stress doing during all of our happy hours from early in the spring through probably if we'll be doing something today in a garden. Now, not just her garden, because you'd get this idea that the garden is somewhere over there and then there's a lawn and then there's a house. No, the garden is so surrounding the house because she's gardened pretty much every square inch of it that uh, if you look at her house, you say, oh, there's a garden with a house in it. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds ideal. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I really want to know about this practice of yours, the gardening practice, because while you were doing that with us, we could tell it wasn't because you were distracted. It was because a, he only had so much sunlight or so much to do. And B, it seemed very soothing to you. And frankly, as an observer and during those conversations, it was soothing to me. I was like worrying about that loofah plant and wondering if if you could grow peas on poles. So it was kind of fun. So uh, what about the garden that is so important to you, Karen? Yeah. So I had to, I've given this some thought because it really is like, like, where did this all start for me? Mm. And um, I really have to go back to, back to childhood. um, Really, like when I was little, when I was probably maybe six or seven, um, my dad was a gardener. So, you know, we lived in just like a, you know, regular neighborhood. It wasn't like a farm or anything, but, but he was very much into landscaping and gardening. And I remember going out with him and like helping him to put the petunias in or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, but my interest was really limited. Like I, I liked to install them, like plant them in the ground and I didn't want anything to do with maintenance, like at all. Like I was like, (laughs) Oh, it's all you now. Like I did the fun part. We got to pick which color goes where that was great. (laughs) Um, So, and then, you know, fast forward throughout life and there were, um, there were periods of time where I was living in apartments and I didn't have any kind of area to garden. And that actually, I think made me realize that I, that I missed it. Like I liked having those, those moments. And Mm. so when I, when I finally bought my house, um, which was probably a little later than most people do, um, in life, I had really wanted a place to put down roots to settle. So there's literally, yeah, yeah, there's (laughs) symbolism with that. Um, (laughs) when I bought this house, there was nothing, there was one hydrangea bush and, um, and a magnolia tree. And that was actually a magnolia bush. I turned it up into a tree, um, (laughs) to like make it less overwhelming, but that was it. There was nothing. And I started on this endeavor of the front yard doing the landscaping, just like my dad used to do. And so my dad passed about 14 years ago. And so I think a huge part of this is a connection to my dad. 
And that's, yeah. and brings back so many memories. So that was the first phase, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. And then started to wrap around the house, but that was, that's how it began here. And when I first really started to, um, to get serious about it and, and really do it regularly. In a number of the conversations that I recorded for the progress podcast, I, it, it usually leads to where did it all begin for you? And so that was eloquent. What you just said, but it made me think about my dad who uh, had, we had a, a sort of like a robe at the back of our little lawn and he put in some stones that came from our original railroad station and they collected and, and then he would uh, sketch and sketch mm. at the kitchen table, yeah. what he were because it was a tiny patch yep. and uh and I remember like looking over his shoulder, are you designing a kitchen? No, I'm, I'm kind of planning the garden. That was kind of the phrase, I'm planning my garden. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had, again, every inch pretty well figured out. And he also studied what would go next to which, to which wouldn't try to eat mm -hmm. its, you know, fight away and eat, and eat its roots or something. So I, I get it. I get it. I, uh, however, <laughs> and I maybe dug a few holes with him. I had no interest in gardening. Now, today, I love watching gardening done, but my brother was completely hooked on it. And years later, when he finally had a, uh, a place uh, where he could put out a garden, he did the same thing. I remember seeing him um, sketch, 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 and figuring out where everything went and then working it. Uh, he, unfortunately, he passed away from from cancer in his early fifties. So that last garden that he planted uh, was uh, symbolic to me mm -hmm. of uh, how a human being can uh, leave something. I suspect mm -hmm. by now it's all covered over by whoever's using that house. But um, I when I went to collect some of his things after he passed away. It, there was the garden, you know, and it was looking great. And I was, I think I talked to it. Now, let me just take that away from me and ask you what is kind of a silly question, but an important one. Do you talk to your garden and does your garden speak to you? Constantly. <laughs> Constantly. It's okay. Um. We won't think you're crazy because... I talked to my well, brother's garden. I've already got the ice broken on that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not embarrassed to admit it. We're good. <laughs> so <laughs> no, it's um it's a living entity. I mean, it is from from the worms in the soil to the actual plants themselves. I think there's actually studies where if you sing to plants, they do better. I don't go that far, although I do tend to sing in the garden sometimes when I'm listening to music, but um, okay, not on purpose. But yeah, no, um, I think that there is, there is a, a, a strangely deeper relationship somehow with, um, well, not somehow, but with nature. And um, I was listening to one of your other episodes and um, you talked about the practice of collaboration. Mm. And I was thinking about that because really it is a practice of collaboration with mother nature and with nature in general. And from the bunnies that come in and decide to eat something to the, you know, the hurricanes we get where I'm tying everything up, desperately hoping it doesn't break uh, from the windstorms. Um, it is, 
you know, to our 70 degree November day today where I'm still harvesting tomatoes. Like it's, it's this dance with nature. And so I think I do have a relationship with it. So whether it's through words or actions, um, absolutely. I, I think it's a great image. I, I can I'm like picture <laughs> this weird picture in my head of you um, in the garden and Mother Nature also there. Both of you bending over, uh, trying to pick out some uh, uh, tomatoes or something. But uh, that 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 close relationship with with nature. And I know from knowing you now over how many months that we've been seeing each other here in these conversations that you have a real yeah, you have a you have a passion for the natural and you want to be instrumental in the continuing of that little bunny, you know, take out the gun and shoot it. Or you also know that there are certain insects like butterflies and not so nice insects, but you still seem to respect them, even if they're chewing away on your precious pepper plant. <laughs> <laughs> it is really hard sometimes to find that balance, but I've I've long so it's it's interesting. You talked about planning out the garden earlier and how mm-hmm. your dad and your brother that was their style. Um, my style is more, ooh, I want to grow that. Let's get all the things and then figure out how they're going to fit. And it's one big experiment. Um, and so I don't know for a couple of years sometimes um, if I even like something or if I want to keep it or if I want to move it or like it's it's a it's an um, continually moving palette of, of, uh, of items and, uh, just plans. It's constantly evolving. But with that comes the fact that I have learned not to set my hopes too much on any one thing being successful because it's, there's no guarantee. And so there are, um, particular, particular natural foes that um that do get in my way so specifically and i'm i'm blanking on the name of it but there's a there's a bug that or a, a worm or something that crawls inside of squash plants in the stem and mm. kills off the whole plant and people slice it open and they kill the thing and, and i just i just planted more squash so i figure they can eat some and hopefully i'll get some squash <laughs> out of the other and it worked pretty well we had a lot of they lot had of their fill it. they had yeah, their fill so, and then you get these uh, squash too that's yeah, which, interesting a lot of people are probably shaking their heads at that but that we you know and that goes yeah. deeper into um just our own personal uh views on nature and everything like it, it's mm-hmm. do no harm and the, so besides ticks and mosquitoes those i'm a little aggressive with but beyond that um you know, really trying to welcome them. But because of that, with the bad bugs come the good bugs. And so, you know, we get a lot of really beneficial pollinators, animal insects, all the things um, that's, you know, we want to make a, a really friendly environment to them as well. So that's that's really important to us or to me. I was thinking of the contrast between my brother and father who were like plan, plan, plan. My father ended up being a kitchen planner and my brother was a lawyer. So you could see they loved order and, and uh, system um, matic kinds of ways of putting their garden together. And you have um, called your garden an experiment and you uh, like to be, surprised and even disappointed i think what they were planning against was disappointment you were Mm -hmm. saying well maybe disappointment is like any experiment you know (laughs) 
No, it didn't work. Back to the test tube. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in that sort of more eclectic way, in that way of wanting to play in the garden. Yeah, <laughs> that's the funny. You know, I use hot, that term all the time. But it's a lot of work. But I mm -hmm. think when I've seen yeah. you working on it, it's play. Talk about what that feels like. Why is it fun? to do Always. all that work in the sun <laughs> even when it's not even when it's the only thing i get a little cranky with the mosquitoes but beyond that um yeah no it's i'm lugging bags of soil or bags of rocks and i'm just as happy as can be um it is play it is and so so my background being um a designer you know and being in the creative industry so much of my creativity has always been to present to clients following their guidelines, following what they're looking for, what they need. And what happens, I think, with this landscape, it's literally a blank landscape. I came into this blank canvas and realized I can be creative and I don't have to answer to anybody. And mm. I can just create what I truly wanted to create. And there were no, I mean, there are some limits. We don't have room for like large oak trees, but um, <laughs> I am an urban gardener as it were. So we're on a mm -hmm. bit of a postage stamp, but we're cramming as much in as possible. But yeah, so the, the play is definitely creative play, um, freedom to just choose what I want to choose and try growing what I want to grow. And again, experimentation, the gardening season starts in January technically. Mm. Um, and I have new practices, which we could get to if we have time, that have really extended the whole gardening season almost year round. December's the, I haven't figured out December yet, but January, the catalogs come. And so the designer in me and the creative in me sees these pictures of these amazing plants, beautiful flowers, interesting, unique vegetables, like you name it, the whole thing. And um, so that's when it starts of like, ooh, which ones don't I have? Which ones can I try? Yeah. And um, it, it goes into there, into the whole year round. So it really is a sense of just exploration and play and being out there. I usually have my headphones in. I usually have music on and I'm not thinking it is a practice that takes my mind off everything else, which is incredible for me because I, I, I don't tend to focus well on one thing. So this is something where um, I am truly focused on, gee, you know, that's, you know, I can't believe the sunflower grew this tall and look at this and check out the bees and, you know, like, oh, the birds are eating all the seeds and like, there's so much to look at, so much to do, but it is all in that realm. And um, I'm just, I'm just so happy there. It's just my happy place. I think that underscores um, an, an awful lot of the thinking that Peter Vale and, and I uh, put in first to the podcast and, and now the book on practice as a way of being. And I would stress here a way of being because we only have to be our beingness for X number of years, right? And so it's a, it's a treasured thing to to be able to be the way we love being at mm -hmm. least for part of the time in a, in a day or a week. Yeah. And, uh, and that then feeds, <laughs> it feeds, you know, feeds the other aspects of our being. But I think another particular conjecture was that Peter said that there's, there's more than one practice working in us for us and by us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you mentioned a moment ago your creative work, working for clients versus working for yourself, that whole thing. Is there 
a way you think, Karen, that the other things you do when you have a you you're doing you have a job you're doing uh, digital yep. online work for a great company and a bunch of other stuff. But is there a way that your gardening is sort of the feeder system to the other things that you do very very well? I think I think it's definitely my um, my moment to reset to clear my head to be more creative. And to be more um, refreshed and everything else to to be able to do my work um, better, really. I mean, it's it's definitely something that does all of those things. It's so gardening in general is healthy. I'm outdoors. I'm moving around. I'm you know like breathing fresh air. I'm doing all of those wonderful things. So it's exercise. Um, it's it's a practice of exercise, um, yeah. but it also is really good for for clearing my head out mentally um for seeing new things and looking at things in different ways just the way the light hits this you know new plant that i've never grown before and look at the tiny leaves and how it's you know shaping up to to just the general learning that you know i'm constantly learning i'm constantly bettering my craft i'm constantly becoming more which then of course doesn't directly feed i don't talk about gardening at work ever sadly um mm -hmm. but uh well that you know besides with my coworkers, <laughs> um but uh yeah so i think the practice is there i think also there's something to be said so this is this is a passion of mine that has and there's an interesting kind of progression of how this started of like a passion of gardening a passion of having these these different plants around my house into taking a, a new uh, taking on a new level of purpose like incorporating mm. that into the gardening um, and that's kind of more of a key thread throughout my my work so I'm a um, project manager at a social impact creative agency I'm also um, starting up a new, you know, this new thing, helping others to to run campaigns for causes they care about. Like there's that connection with purpose. And I really think that that's kind of the common thread, but to be able to find purpose in gardening and bring that in was when it kind of leveled up and became such a more important part of my whole being. Um, and when I say that, so just for clarification, because it doesn't always make sense, um, talking no, about I going from landscaping just because it's pretty to getting into native plants for you know beneficial pollinators and um and all of the the wonderful insects and, and whatnot that are helping our environment and you know keeping us healthy and and fed <laughs> so that's kind of that transition for me i had two thoughts and i was listening but i always my my head just runs <laughs> around and think oh, what would you like to ask karen next well the two things first um you one of your endeavors when we first started to collaborate for purpose practice was that you wanted to help young people teens women and maybe boys um to cultivate in themselves before they got out into the college and beyond the years a sense of purpose but particular some kind of a cause that would matter to them uh, greater than you know a video game or other things and I, I, my mental image of that that you would have for those teens is that you were showing them a way to act like a garden, 
<laughs> you know, to to start, you know, with a seed of an idea and, and, or, and a feeling around it and nourish it. And then and as that would grow, then the rest of their character might develop uh, in a mm -hmm. in a different way as if uh, as contrasted with them having nothing. So that's a, 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 I give you that impression. But I also want to secondly circle the word seed, because you said the other day when we were talking, I said, oh, yeah, it's a lot of expense out there, Karen, you know, buying all those plants and putting them in. And what did you say? Yeah, plants are expensive. <laughs> so I, I made a bargain with myself this year that I wouldn't buy any plants. I would only use seeds because they're a lot less expensive, but there's also a lot more joy and challenge in growing something from seed. And so yes. I have fallen, I have followed through. It is November and I did not buy one plant this year. I'm very excited. <laughs> that, that is a huge accomplishment, but then you can see that I think the arc be uh, when you're helping fellow human beings, particularly young ones who could uh, basically join a program which essentially installs a point of view, like a scouting program and so forth, and then teaches them some methodologies. But it's not it's nothing they've grown. It's something that they've accepted into their life, contrasted with having a conversation that sparks an idea in that young person. And they go, hmm. You know, you know, I've always wondered, or I always wish, or I saw my dad when I was six XX, and then that starts to grow essentially from the the seed of an idea. So uh, that's very cool. But I, 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 I thought that was funny, and I wanted to mention that because I know my my own son and his wife love gardening, and they have used every inch of their uh, poacher stamp lot. But they essentially buy their plants. <laughs> they don't have the patience uh, to watch a seed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a different um, a different kind of experience in that way. But it's um, and there's no guarantee. It's also it's it's definitely you know you buy and it also it, what's fascinating, especially getting into flowers and plants and whatnot. Um, it often takes a number of years before you even get blooms when you grow something from seeds. So it's a much more, um, it's a longer process. It's a longer commitment. It's uh, a longer waiting period before you really get to see the, um, you know, the reward really. But it, it was more, I think it was more the challenge. But it, yeah. I have to, I'll, I'll say that, but also, and so this is, this is kind of, a you know, so as I've mentioned, like, and I'm going to, get a little nerdy here but talking nerd about native away, plants <laughs> so when you go to especially like the big box stores and you go to buy plants um they're selling kind of uh, standard plants but they're not that very very few of them if any are native to your area mm. so what that means is the pollinators um, not that they won't go up to a flower that isn't native, but if it's a native plant, they inherently recognize it. So like butterflies with milkweed, like they recognize milkweed and that is the only plant that they're going to lay their eggs on because then when the little caterpillar comes out, it eats the milkweed and that's how it survives. So when you go to a lot of these big box stores, the flowers they're selling, the plants they're selling aren't native. So that was actually mm. part. Of, and some of them are even detrimental, like, um, there's a plant, I think it's Barbary. Um, it's actually the host for ticks. Ticks like oh, to God. lay their eggs. And I have one in my yard. I cut the thing way back when I learned that. I was like, 
why would they sell that? You know, like uh, why are these big stores selling that? So um, in order they don't to make know, them, they probably yeah, don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And this is all, you know, this is where I kind of went from that passion into purpose was learning more about native plants and a lot of things that we call weeds really. And, and they're actually quite beautiful in their own right. But I had to get a lot of them from seed because they just simply don't sell the plants. So that was another part of um, why that transition happened. Um, but mm. it's been a really interesting um, new path to take on and re and to go out. So I have in my front yard, the plants in front of the house. And then I have two new beds now of all native um, flowers and plants. And the difference is staggering. When I go out and look, the plants up by the house, which are all kind of big box store plants, um, they have, you know, they'll have some bees and, and whatnot and different. But if you go into the native garden, plants, whatever's currently in bloom, covered, just covered in bees and hoverflies and um, hornets and wasps and like, I mean, butterflies, like all, like they're just covered. And the, the difference is really, um, it's really eye-opening. You have to kind of see that for yourself sometimes. Um, so it's a really nice confirmation to know that I'm going in the right direction for nature at the same time that I'm having all the benefits for me of being healthier, being happier. You know, it, it's, it's such a wonderful relationship um, it's such a win-win for everybody. You mentioned earlier your collaboration with uh, with nature. We'll we'll call Mother Nature because I think nature is feminine. And uh, what she is showing you from the front of your house to that spot to those two blocks is okay. Those were man-made plants so much they're plants, but they were affected by man. The ones close to the house, the box hunt. Now, come on down here. Two things I want to teach you, Karen, says mother. <laughs> First, uh, it was a great idea to put these here. And uh, they, the soil is right for them. The sun is right for them. They, they really know that this is where they belong. This is their neighborhood. The second thing is that all those um, other beings that are enjoying the plants and needing them, are telling you as well that you're on the right track that if if we can ever as human beings figure out how to get that kind of balance and be um, in a way more native human beings in other words living more like we really are part of nature i think there's a lesson there and, and the other point that you made that as i'm looking at the clock here and thinking i really would like to do this for an hour but let's let's make this part one but you made a, an important point about the seeds and planting the seeds and that is you knew that it was going to take maybe even two seasons before mm -hmm. you got the the payoff the mm -hmm. the flowering and or the the food stuff that comes from it and knowing that and but also having fun and enjoying garden it's kind of an interesting um fight isn't it uh mm -hmm. i can't wait to see xxx grow but i must wait because it's mm -hmm. a seed and it's gonna have to take some time why didn't i just go down to the store and snap this up <laughs> stick it in the ground and be done with it so you, you you're living there you know an interesting uh, dance within yourself between patience and uh pleasure 
Yeah. No, 100%. the pleasure of patience. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. There is there in it's. I think the part of it that that makes it all work. There's just a nurturing element to it. There's something so um, beautiful to and, and overwhelming. Sometimes mind blowing. Um, so, for example, like a, a sunflower seed, like the ones you eat in the store, like those are that's the seed for the plant tiny mm-hmm. little seed goes into the ground or into a bucket because i start winter sowing i do my mm-hmm. my gardening starts in february march goes into a bucket gets transferred into the ground i had sunflowers this year over the top of my hand when i raised my arm like so i mean uh-huh. i didn't measure that i should have they're they're all kind of shrinking and and keeled over now but um it's it blows my mind again, just so much respect for nature. Um, it blows my mind what something so small can become and as a source of food for the birds, um, or us, if we get them before the birds, but with sunflowers, it's pretty rare, but, um, but yeah, no, there is something, um, just really nurturing and amazing and miraculous to me to start Mm -hmm. from that seed and and to watch something grow grow into something that is life sustaining if it's if it's a vegetable or a plant that we can actually consume or life sustaining for other creatures in nature it's also uh, a symbol uh, to the ukrainian people yeah and it, when the war started and hopefully we haven't forgotten about that um, a lot of us uh, sought sunflowers uh, mm-hmm. and uh, by the most weird coincidence at at the point when all that was happening a friend of our mine kate emery uh, had become a painter after having a long career in uh, developing our nonprofit and our, and our for-profit companies well, actually um, benefit companies but she started painting and i put went to her studio once and i put my name into a raffle and uh a few months ago, I received a message from her. Dave, you've won the, you've won the painting. You've won a raffle for painting. I thought, oh, that's great. So we met uh, outdoors. It was still pandemic-y. And, uh, and she gave me this um, small, maybe six by seven kind of framed sim- a sunflower with its leaves out. Mm-hmm. That turned out to be the painting. Wow. And in fact, it's it's now on my wall. And I I I was worried. I didn't want to bring home, you know, a big thing because it was several hundred dollars worth of value. Yeah. It was just right. It was perfect. She mm-hmm. handed it to me, and we we're in the midst of all of our concerns about what was going on in Ukraine. And there was the sunflower. And I said, Kate, this is kind of a this is the way that <laughs> the universe works and telling us that there's something hopeful in that flower. And then here you are talking about uh, those flowers coming up and greeting you and saying, Hey, you did, did you know we were in here (laughs) when we were under the ground? (laughs) Yes, you did. But it could have popped up as something else. If you made a wonderful mistake and put a different kind of seed in there, and that would be a great surprise. Well, wow, wow, wow. You, you are, as I said, when I sent you an email, you're the new London gardener. 
New London appreciates it, but uh, there are a few could. others. <laughs> there are a few others. But, yeah, well, they, they have them. these big, elaborate. I'm sure that you know the English Garden stuff and the mm. former estates and everything. If someone drives down your street, uh, and hopefully they can turn their head briefly and look, they're gonna think, "Hmm, now there's someone who who has a thing going with plants because <laughs> they're all over." And uh, and then they'll see you out there with your with your gardening gloves and yep. working like you were last week when you were on a happy happy hour call and uh, they'll say now there is someone I'd like to be. Oh, that's very kind. I hope that's what they're thinking. That's that's lovely. And I hope well, that I think they, that uh... they should be because you know you're doing it right, Aaron Stevenson. You are doing it right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to anactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to anactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and one more thing. How could I forget? The book, On Practice as a Way of Being, is available now in digital form, something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us, and it's a, a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, dot world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you. <laughs>